1: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Health Hub. My name is Kathy Biase. I am your host, and along with our producer, Alex Diaz, we'd like to welcome you to the show on this beautiful Tuesday morning. Good morning, Alex. It
2: is beautiful. Good morning, Kathy, and good morning to our listeners.
1: A big change from yesterday.
2: Definitely. Um, in fact, for myself, I was um, actually working quite late here at the station, and I was fortunate and, and blessed to be able to spend the Evening with the program host, he actually invited me over for dinner, so I, I graciously accepted. And while I was at dinner, I later, later found out that the uh, train service during that time was uh, out of order, basically because they had issues with the signals on the tracks. Mm-hmm. And so, by the time I ended up ended up going home, uh, the issue was resolved, and for me the The commute wasn't an issue of me having to wait, but it was an excellent evening for me. That's great. But yes, it was very unfortunate. There was a lot of people that uh, definitely had a long commute on the way home.
1: So there's the silver lining right there. You You just turned something not so great into something great. And then the heat broke and it's nice and cool today. For sure. Yeah. it's uh, My poor daughter has been doing camp counseling. (laughs) This Uh is her first full-time job, and uh, she's been a summer camp counselor, and it it has been really a a long, long haul for her because she's there. She leaves around 7.30, home at 5.30, and it has been a hot, hot summer. Right, right. So it's, it's, uh, I mean, I love the weather, but, you know, if you're out there working, it can be a little challenging, so a nice break from the heat. But my goodness, we've had some wonderful weather.
2: Yes, we have.
1: So I can think you can guess by our conversation that our show is live today, and you're welcome to call in at 416-245-1534. We are still taking your questions, and you can reach us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at The Health Hub RMC, and Alex will siphon through all those if we get any questions and certainly is there to greet you on the phone if you give us a call. You can also email us at THH at RadioMaria.ca if you have anything you'd like to chat with us about, if you have further questions from any of our shows or topics that you'd like to Hear about. We are very, very interested in hearing from you. Please subscribe to our podcast, The Health Hub, on iTunes and SoundCloud, any of your favorite uh, podcast platforms. You can also uh, get our podcast from the Radio Maria website, which is www.radiomaria.ca, and from my website, kathybiasse.com. And if you like us, do leave us a kind review. We are working really hard here to try and promote some really great content one uh great guest that we had just last week it was Dr. Carrie Jones and boy that was a fun podcast for me i really enjoyed her her conversation. She's she's quite knowledgeable and quite a great speaker. Uh, she was great, Alex, wasn't she, last week?
2: She was. She really was. It was a wonderful interview. It was. A wonderful conversation.
1: It was a wonderful. And a lot of people interested in adrenal health. We've had the podcast up for a few days now and some great interest in it. So again, um, if you're interested in adrenal health or any of the other topics, I think we're ho- close to... Uh, 70 shows now and all of them have been really good quality shows so lots for you to go back and listen to all very relevant information on the health hub so, moving on to our show today with my interest in nutrition i 'm sure you can understand why a study called Mediterranean Diet may blunt air pollution 's ill health effects would pique my interest and I read the study and we are going to be talking with someone who was very involved with this study, Chris Lim, after the break but uh, you know to do a little bit of digging into this air pollution, toxicity, it's something that environmental issues, something that really has been getting a lot of play. We've had some guests on the show talking about it, but it's something that um, I, I, I definitely try to consider. And I did some, some digging, and I found a study from the International Institute for Sustainable Development. Now, this study was back in 2015, and unfortunately, I can't find any reason to think that these numbers are any better. Um, but Air pollution costs Canadian families an estimated $36 billion due to premature deaths and illness. That is an outstanding number. And, you know, you couple this with things like mental health issues and, and, you know, other health issues that keep people at bay. This number to me was, was profound. And the study further went on to say that, approximately in their estimation, about 7,700 deaths, premature deaths, are attributable to air pollution. So, this is something that affects us all greatly. And something this is a hidden issue that we don't really understand until we start layering illnesses and, and their causes onto onto our platform. And that's why it's so important for us to get a handle on air pollution, on ways to help our bodies detoxify. And one way that has Maybe not detoxify in this case may be the wrong word, but the Mediterranean diet from this study may aid in uh, protecting us from air pollution. This study was published uh, this just this past May in two thousand and eighteen. Now, on a on a brighter note, um, Canada. Now, this is this is depending on which study you're looking at, but Canada ranks, uh, you know, at the very most in the top ten of the highest air quality index in the world. So some have us as high as two, and Iceland and Finland seem to be in the mix quite often, Ireland as well. But so some, some happy news, some silver lining again in all this, Canada does fare very well on the world stage when it comes to air pollution. But obviously, with the prior statistic I showed you, we need to do a lot more. At the very least, we need to be aware of ways to mitigate this. So our guest today is Chris Lim, and he is a PhD student in the Department of Environmental Medicine at NYU School of Medicine. He is interested in studying the relationship between the environment and health, and his areas of interest include pollution, climate change, and sensor wearables. He has a master's in biostatistics from Yale and a bachelor's in the environmental engineering from Columbia. Our learning points today is what is air pollution? And we're gonna get a little bit down and dirty about that. How can air pollution adversely affect health? And how can diet protect us from air pollution? So when we return, we will talk with Chris Lim.
0: You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome
1: back, everybody. Our show is live today. If you'd like to call in to speak with Chris, Alex, or myself, our number is 416-245-1534. Again, our um, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook handle is at the RMC, and feel free to email us, and we'll try and get to your questions. Welcome to the show, Chris. Thank you for joining us. Hey, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. So, this study's gotten you a little bit of notoriety. Um, it's it's a very interesting topic. How did you yeah. get involved in this sort of framework of study?
3: Oh, okay. So, I'm interested in studying the health effects of air pollution, um, and I was um, really interested in what subpopulations are at elevated risk of air pollution. So, I tried to study um, you know these risk factors for health and I found that diet um, really you know modified the relationship between air pollution and um, mortality in this um, cohort called the NIH um diet and health study um, this cohort is a, a group of about a half million older Americans uh, across the US so um, took a very uh, robust and big data set
1: Interesting. Now, backing up a bit, your interest in air pollution, climate change, and you've got in your bio here sensor wearables. Now, what is a sensor wearables? What do you mean by that?
3: Okay, so I'm also really interested in um, how air pollution affects health um, on the, I guess, on the personal level. Um, uh, level. So I'm interested in applying all these um, new technologies that are coming out. So there's some, um, you know... Um, these smart watches that can measure heart rate, um, lung function, um, like smart T-shirts that can also do that, and there's a lot of there's recently there's been a lot of um, advances in uh, portable air quality monitors. So I'm really interested in you know taking all these new technology to you know study the relationship at a closer microscopic level.
1: Well, when we talk about um, air pollution, we're obviously encompassing environmental toxins. So why is that how did that become an area of interest for you? Just something that you came across and decided to go deeper into it?
3: Yeah, um, I came across um, air pollution when I was doing my master's at AL so that was my that's my thesis project, and I was just really shocked by how air pollution can you know adversely influence health both at the individual level and the population level. and I was just really shocked by the numbers that are associated with the air pollution. I think you mentioned that earlier in your show, but Just the, the, even just the economic aspect of air pollution and just everything associated with air pollution and health was just really, really um, caught my interest. So I decided to study that more in detail through my, my PhD.
1: It is it is profound. I didn't get any numbers from the states, and I do think, as far as air quality, the states is is um, lower. It is lower ranked than Canada. But here here in Canada, our population is smaller, and yet we still have a thirty six billion dollar hit when it comes to air pollution. So I, I find that um, right. very very extreme. So maybe I think the best thing to do. Now you talked about the study. This is called a cohort study, is it not?
3: Right. Correct.
1: So maybe you could explain to everybody what a cohort study is, and if we can get deep down into how the study was was put together, we can really start to extrapolate all the findings that you have had out of the study.
3: Okay, sure. So my um, specific cohort was started in 1995-1996 by um, NIH, the National Institute of Health in the U.S., and the AARP. Um, It's like a Group for older Americans, but the core is um you organize or I guess you recruit a large group of people and you get their um really get their personal level information such as age, sex, BMI, uh, race, education level, um, what they eat, um, how much they exercise, and you follow this group for a, a period of time, and we can then start to Uh, record like when they die or when they get uh, diseases and cancer so we can really tease apart the relationship between these risk factors for um, health outcomes and how they might be related um, over the course of their lifetime so a cohort um, there's a lot of cohorts different cohorts that's been recruited throughout the US Canada and throughout the world and they just really tell us specific, I guess, really detailed information about what what these people's uh, individual lifestyle and behavior are and their health outcomes down the line.
1: So when this cohort was started, was it started with the intention of studying the Mediterranean diet, or was it just a fact-finding mission?
3: Um, I guess you could say the latter. So cohort is um, as you can guess, very expensive and time-consuming to run. So what the NIH will do is they will start the cohort and open the, I guess, the data set to researchers to tease apart really specific relationships. So the, the original intent of the cohort was to study um, diet and health.
1: A diet across a broad spectrum, and then you, you sort of pulled out the Mediterranean diet as a topic to, to uh, discover?
3: Right. We, our group of researchers at NYU, we wanted to look at air pollution exposure and health outcomes as our primary interest, but we kind of also decided to look at diet since we really have that information um, at a very detailed level.
1: Now, are these, is this cohort directly from the United States or is this worldwide?
3: Uh, this is from the U.S., um, uh, specifically six states and two cities um, and more than a half million people.
1: So are you able to, once we get into the study and what you found, are we able to apply this outside of the United States? Do you, are you able to to make a direct connection like that, or do we have parameters that we can sort of, we have to stay within when we're making determinations?
3: Right. So when we're trying to apply our findings, um, we try to, you know, get other similar studies together and kind of, you know, merge our, I guess, uh, findings into uh, more of a unified number. So, not not to, it might not be directly applicable, uh, but we do try to take other evidence into consideration.
1: Okay. So, maybe let's take apart the study, um, and then we can sort of group sure. it together, and in the second half of the show, we can really start making the connections and where you've come to it. So, when you're discussing air pollution... What do you mean? Maybe go into detail about what you consider or the factors that are are considered when we're discussing air pollution. Huh? You there, Chris?
3: Oh yeah, I'm here. Sorry, oh, sorry. Oh, I got oh, that's distracted okay. for a bit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so air pollution, exactly, is um, well, there's a lot of different types of air pollution. So I guess the the main um, one is fine particulate matter. Um, these are really tiny, small particles. Um, fine particulate matter is um, called PM 2.5. So 2.5 uh, refers to the diameter, the micrograms. So um, it's 2.5 micrograms diameter. So it it means it's about like 50 to 60 times smaller than your hair follicle um, size. So it can really penetrate into your Um, defense system and get into your lungs. Um, There's also coarse particles. These are particles that are bigger than fine particles. Um, There's also nitrogen dioxide. This is um, primarily from traffic. It's a gas. Um, And there's also ozone. So this is formed from chemical reactions in the air um, between these um, gases from industry and um, traffic. And um, sunlight, and UV light, um, forming these um, harmful gases that can also um, deeply influence your health as well.
1: So when you are measuring the air pollution, are you just doing a general air pollution index, or are you actually going out and taking the measurements of the air, uh, the air pollution? Or how, how you, you, you know, you've got this information from these, how many people were in the study, did you say?
3: Uh, more than half a million
1: more than half a million, and I assume over that span of time some did pass away right so you 're looking at uh, a baseline of of people that are is over two hundred thousand i 'm going to assume so how mm-hmm. how can you measure air pollution? How do you equate the two so you 've got a, a form someone 's filled it out. How are you equating air pollution? To the, to the information that people have submitted to you on diet, lifestyle, and all the other things that are on that form?
3: Uh, that's a great question. So, we can, um, so there are these uh, monitors run by the government throughout the uh, US that measures these air pollution. And we can take that information and model um, the levels to kind of extrapolate the air pollution levels across the entire US. And um, in the core, we also know where they live at the census tract level. So we can assign them exposure over the long term using that information. So we can, since we know where, where they live um, and we we have that air pollution level at that location, we can link that together to um, get that um, connection between the two.
1: So are you taking an average level of air pollution over, this was started in 1996, you said? So, are you taking right. average level of air pollution over each year, and then like putting everybody right, to the mean?
3: Uh huh. Right. So we we're assigning the exposure level per year of um, the study. We we have our um, exposure data going back to uh, 1990, so we can you know assign them that information per year. And so we can also adjust for the fact that air pollution levels might be changing throughout the study period as well.
1: Okay, so the results of your tests or the results of your study are you're you're leaving them in the United States, but you are trying to make this applicable worldwide. Now, is your focus on the air pollution at this point within your study or is now your focus shifting to the Mediterranean diet, which which is the diet that you've sort of pulled out as... As the common denominator for a healthier person.
3: Mm-hmm, right. So, I guess the primary objective of the study is: um, what are the health effects of air pollution, and how does air pollution affect mortality? Um, I guess more specifically, cause specific mortality. So, the cause of death um, behind air pollution exposure, and this. That was the purpose of the entire, I guess, the project. But this study specifically looks at the Mediterranean diet as one of the potential modifying risk factors for air pollution and mortality.
1: Okay, the question that that comes to mind is how how can you assign where air pollution has affected people's health? How are you able to draw that conclusion?
3: Okay, so uh, like I mentioned earlier, since we have all the information, regarding their personal level risk factors um, per person in the cohort so like age, sex, um, race, um, BMI diet. So in our um, statistical model we can adjust for all these uh, risk factors that might be you know influencing the mortality risk and after we adjust for everything we can think of um, and we all we look at the air pollution I guess variable in the model. And if it's still significant, we can say that, you know, air pollution is a, um, I guess an important, important risk factor for mortality. Um, so this is how similar studies are run. We try to collect as detailed information as possible, um, per person. We adjust for everything we can, um, get our hands on. And if the air pollution, um, I guess variable is still remaining to be significant, we can say that, oh, this is a, an unimportant risk factor for health and mortality.
1: Is the, objective, is the objective to bring awareness about air pollution, or are you trying to say in this region of the country, we see it far more of an impact than other areas? Why is that? Or what, what are you hoping that people pull out from the study on, on the air pollution piece? And then we'll get to the diet after our break.
3: Sure. So I guess the the purpose of that um, that the, that component of the study is to just say how much does the risk factor, I guess, or how much does the mortality risk increase associated with air pollution, especially cardiovascular mortality. Um, we a lot of studies have been done uh, looking at that, but we just wanted to kind of confirm and uh, you know say that this is a number for air pollution and cardiovascular disease mortality.
1: Okay. So I'm assuming that you've you've also put other chronic diseases within this realm of air pollution affecting health. And I think what we're going to right. to do for the last part of the show to the second half of the show is I really want to line up the health um, effects of air pollution, and then really start to link in what the Mediterranean diet is and how you f- have found that it impacts and perhaps why it has impacted health on, on such a positive note. So when we come back from our break, we'll get uh, really deep into this and, and talk with Chris about a lot of the important pieces that we can apply in our own health sphere to maybe buffer the effects of air pollution within our own environment. So we'll be back in a few minutes.
4: Sometimes Gotta find the strength to rise From the ashes And make a new beginning Anyone can feel the ache You think it's more than you can take But you're stronger Stronger than you know Don't you give up now sun. Shine in.
0: Maria Canada a Catholic voice wherever you are to contact us and be a part of the show please call 416-245-1534 we now continue with the program here once again is your host Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. We're here with Chris Lim, and we're
1: talking about air pollution and the Mediterranean diet and a study that has gotten him a lot of traction. And Chris, um, I'm going to sprinkle in some questions that we've had from some listeners. Now, I do understand that um, some of these questions may be uh, ones you may not be comfortable in dealing with. And if so, just Chris, tell us that, you know what, it's it's not something that you can answer. But, you know, it is a topic that is important to people, I think, as we're becoming more and more aware, people have more and more questions. So first, um, I want, I want, To get into how you believe air pollution can adversely affect health.
3: Right. So, a lot of studies have shown that, or they, a lot of studies have tried to, you know, study the mechanisms behind air pollution and health. And a lot of the consensus seems to be that air pollution triggers inflammation and oxidative stress pathways throughout the body. um, That's the basic mechanism behind a lot of the air pollution-related health effects. Um, So air pollution can, you know, first penetrate. Like I mentioned, flying particles are really small, so they can get past your defenses and get into your lungs. And then that'll trigger inflammation and oxidative stress. And the particles can also travel throughout the body, um, going to your brain, your your heart, um, other uh, organs throughout the body, and also mechanisms behind oxidative stress and um, inflammation.
1: Well, how can someone decipher, um, or or is it even a matter of deciphering the symptoms of air pollution, or is that really not a question that, is that not the right question?
3: Um, There are many ways to study it. So you can look at biomarkers in the blood that um, tells us the science of inflammation. Um, That's one way to look at it. Another way is to Measure, I guess, the, the heart or the lung in response to air pollution. So studies have, you know, exposed to people, um, air poo- or elevated air pollution levels in a controlled chamber and try to study, um, how, how does the body respond exactly to air pollution? So studies have shown that, um, air pollution can also influence the, the autonomic nervous system that controls, um, how bodies, um, responding respond to various um, um, triggers so that means that um, I guess studies have shown that um pollution increases the heart rate um, also the heart rate variability um, also blood pressure so these are some of the more immediate outcomes that we can study and I guess over the long term you can answer that through studies like mine um, cohort studies that follow people for a really long time and see what um, diseases or deaths we got um, at the end of the study. So there's, there's multiple ways to study this.
1: And what, what chronic diseases are you readily linking air pollution to from your scientific angle?
3: Right. So from our research group, we look at mortality. Um, so mortality related to heart, lungs, um, diabetes, um, COPD, uh, and cancer. Um, but recent studies have really linked air pollution to a whole host of health outcomes. Um, so there's, um, studies showing that air pollution can cause, um, Parkinson's. Um, a lot of, there's been studies, uh, following children that, um, show that long air pollution can damage the lungs and grow, inhibit the growth of lung function. Um, there's also studies showing that um, among pregnant women, it can um, increase the risk of preterm um, birth and um, low birth weight among babies as well. So um, recent studies have really been, you know, giving us really uh, a broad picture regarding the whole range of health outcomes that can be, you know, affected by air pollution levels.
1: One of the questions that's come in is: Is do you have a handle on? Um, I guess it's a combination of intensity and time, but the, one of the questions is, is how, how long of an exposure do you need to air pollution for this this to have a negative effect? I mean, our body is supposed to detoxify to some degree, so where where at what point can you, can you say that we are overburdened?
3: Right. So when we try to study health effects of air pollution, we try to look at both the acute effects of air pollution and chronic effects of air pollution. So acute effects can um, result in symptoms pretty immediately. Um, So after days that have higher pollution levels, you'll see spikes in um, hospitalization rates uh, regarding cardiovascular or respiratory outcomes, Um, as well as uh, people that may be especially sensitive to air pollution. So people with asthma or COPD can, you know, can be also triggered by um, short term inc- increases in air pollution, and there's also the chronic effects over long term. Um, so this would be more of a background air pollution level that are um, always present in the air and that can manifest inso- themselves uh, in, in, into symptoms in a couple couple of months to a couple of years. so there are different time frames that air pollution can affect our health.
1: Have you gotten to the area of have you studied anything to do with reversing the effects of air pollution?
3: Um, Right. So I guess that kind of segues into my study that looks at the Mediterranean diet um, as one way to protect ourselves against air pollution. Um, And also there's a lot of recent studies that have looked at I guess more polluted regions throughout the world such as India and China and East Asia that looked at the effectiveness of Um, protective masks or air purifiers in the air um, as some ways to kind of protect us from air pollution levels.
1: Okay, so let's get into the Mediterranean diet then. Maybe, um, I don't know if you classify it within your study per se, but give us the the, the highlights of what a Mediterranean diet is.
3: Sure. So a Mediterranean diet um, emphasizes consumption of plant-based foods, olive oil, and moderate intake of alcohol. Um, So it really provides a highly enriched diet in um, antioxidants and anti-inflammatory compounds. Um, So it's a diet really rich in fruits, vegetables, um, nuts, legumes, fish, and low in red and processed meat and some amount of alcohol. Um, So in my study, we tried or we created this index called the Alternative Mediterranean Diet Index that measures, um, I guess, adherence to a Mediterranean diet. So it's a number that's between zero and nine. Um, and one point is given per above median consumption of a component of a Mediterranean diet, such as a fruit or vegetable. So we really could detail or we could really measure Mediterranean diet in a very detailed way in my study
1: what what do you feel is it is it the antioxidative value that you are you are crediting the Mediterranean diet for for its protective effect against air pollution
3: Yes um, I think that's what we are thinking right now um, um, like I mentioned earlier our Mediterranean diet has you know, antioxidant and anti-inflammatory compounds and air pollution Um, like we discussed earlier, is really driving our or driving the adverse effects throughout through, you know, oxidative stress and inflammatory mechanisms. So we're thinking that these compounds in the diet may be combating the adverse effects of air pollution.
1: Did you use any other diets in your study, or does was the Mediterranean diet something that of a surprise to you that just sort of came to the top of your study, or did you look at you know a ketogenic diet and a Mediterranean diet and you know your standard American diet? Mm-hmm.
3: So we in this study, especially, we looked at the Mediterranean diet, and I guess. Our next step would be to try to answer that question. We're requesting more data from NIH to, you know, really, to really look at diet in a very detailed way and try to create other indi- uh, indexes that uh, measure a healthy diet, um, such as a DASH diet or the American Healthy Eating Index diet. So we're trying to really um, answer the question of is it the overall the healthy diet pattern or is it specific foods or compounds that are driving our findings.
1: Did you consider lifestyle as a component of your study?
3: Um, not specifically, but we try to answer that through other um, information, such as their exercise habits. And um, yeah, you know, I guess that will be it, actually. Exercise and Sleep. BMI. And, mm-hmm. Right.
1: No, no the a uh, question comes to my mind that was a, a good bit of umming and ahing there a question that comes to my mind and it can it, it may be out of the realm of what you're comfortable talking about but you know the the recent with you know within the last 10 15 20 years the recent surge of lung cancer not due to directly linked to people that smoke so what i'm talking about is people who have never smoked and getting lung cancer do you think that in the realm of what you've studied and in the realm of chronic disease, that this is a possible link to that disease, or is that too broad of a sweep to paint on what you've done?
3: Um, I'm not sure if I can answer in a very specific way, but air pollution could be one of the multi-factorial reasons behind that. Um, Air pollution levels have been decreasing throughout US and, you know, developed world, so that could be a potential reason, but I'm not exactly sure.
1: Does does this sort of um, you know all these? It, it's like anything, right, Chris? You do this study, you get some results, and it leads to twenty five other interesting and deep questions that you might want to get to. So, where do eye. you see yourself going in in this direction? Because I, you know, you're just you're just uh, on the scope of things, a young person starting off in this on this uh, on this journey. Where do you see yourself going? As far as continued studies in this area,
3: All right. So, like I mentioned, I'm really interested in other diets that might be driving our findings. And um, I guess in the future, I'm. I mean, I study. I guess my broad interest is in the environment and health. So, I'm also interested in effects of temperature, um, green spaces such as parks and trees, and how that might be influencing our health. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, um, I'm also interested in sensors and wearables as, some, as a potential application of um, new technology in studying this relationship. So I guess I could down the line combine or tie that all together and try to maybe create a study that's more um, directly test my hypothesis that diet can influence air pollution and health. Maybe we could, you know, equip people with these um, smart T-shirts and portable air quality monitors and um, try to, you know, inter intervene in terms of their diet and see how, you know, everything changes in response to that or, you know, give them supplementation such as vitamins or specific foods that might make them healthier.
5: So, so
1: there's
3: there's different...
1: Sorry, so go ahead, Chris. There. No, go ahead. Different applications? Yeah, so I was just
3: saying, like right so i'm just trying to you know come up with new innovative ways to study you know air pollution and health and you know try to look at whole different whole whole, a whole range of factors that might be influencing that relationship
1: have you seen anybody pick on the, uh, pick up on the aspect of the air pollution in and of itself? And what I'm talking about is, um, I'm sure within the cities that you've examined people, some have far more pollution than others. You've come across mm-hmm. with this mm-hmm. study um, that, that has these results about diet and so forth. But has anyone picked up on the lead that uh, these particular areas need to address the air pollution itself?
3: Right. Uh, especially in the U.S., there's been a lot of efforts to identify regions that are not meeting the standards. And um, uh, I guess a big question in my um, field is we need to really identify what sources of air pollution are the most harmful to our health. So PM 2.5, fine particulate matter. um, It's not really exactly the same across um, locations. Um, particles might be coming from, you know, the desert or sand or sea salt, uh, whereas some particles might be coming from traffic or coal combustion or really harmful metals from factories. And those two are not the same when it comes to health effects. So we need to really identify, you know, what component of health or what component of air pollution and fine particulate matter is driving the health association and try to identify regions where that's that, you know, these really harmful particles might be um, coming from.
1: Now, did you find within the regions that you studied things like open spaces and trees made a huge impact on the degree of air pollution?
3: Right. So that's that's a great question. We're trying to answer that um, as our next step. So we're looking at we're linking these people to exposure to green space and parks and forests and see. What these, how might, how these environmental factors might be also influencing mortality risk? Um, We're also finding really interesting findings that way. We're finding that um, increased exposure to green spaces decreased the mortality risk um, significantly, especially um, cardiovascular mortality risk. And this also been, this also has been shown in um, recent studies as well. um, Green spaces and parks as Uh, one way to, you know, either directly or indirectly influence our health um, throughout, uh, across the world as well.
1: Well, I think, you know, even when it comes to buildings, uh, I mean, I have no idea. Mm -hmm. My husband's in the architect field, but I have no idea how it is in the States. But even within developing developing, um, infrastructure in the cities. We're seeing here a lot more of the live walls, we're seeing a lot more green space, we're seeing a lot more and I think it's more of a of a legislative push to to keep some green space and make it a healthier environment. I don't know if that's a piece of you know where your studies might lead, but it does have profound effect on on many many things. And one question that's popped up and I don't know if it's in your realm of expertise is do you have any advice how someone could detoxify from some of the pollution that, that we're inevitably intaking?
3: Right. So I guess I guess a direct way to detoxify would be through your diet, um, which is a main finding of my study. Um, also consistent with more recent studies that um, look at the short-term air pollution effects and short-term health outcomes. So a lot of smaller studies have you know directly given to people supplements like vitamins and um, broccoli sprouts for a more of a healthy diet and these had a a, a noticeable effect on um, health outcomes such as heart rate variability uh, biomarkers in the blood um, and inflammation levels so that's one way to do it and to directly detoxify also inclusion and I guess another uh, i guess another broad way to detoxify yourself is actually just try to prevent exposure um, to air pollution um, to getting into your body. So that's, you know, try to avoid high traffic areas, um, try to look at um, air quality levels um, throughout the day and just try to, I guess, um, walk through green spaces and um, try to be healthy overall. And I think those would be the main uh, ways to you know protect yourself from air pollution.
1: Before we, before we have to end the show, I have a question, um, uh, just a, an interest question on my end. Have, did you see within your study if people started, you know, were, your, were the people in your study studied from uh, the angle that they'd always been on the Mediterranean diet, or did you see an aspect of your study where people who assumed the uh, Mediterranean diet maybe a bit later on changed their diet over, I guess is what I'm trying to say, was there a strong mm. impact on on their health outcome? Did you, were you able to pull anything like that out of your study? So someone's changed over right. their diet? So that's a,
3: yeah, that's a, that's a major weakness of our study. We don't have information regarding um, how their behavior and how their you know weight or smoking and diet changes over time. So that is a major weakness. Um, but that, could be, you know, that could be really answered in the future from other more detailed studies down the line.
1: I think I think the study is the overwhelming impact is that diet can really affect health and when it's equated even to air pollution now. I mean, we're taking it beyond what we normally think of as the impact of diet, but I think your study goes to sh- uh, to serve all of us in in the understanding that, you know, the impact of air pollution number one is profound. And there are ways within the diet sphere to try and mitigate those. And I think it's a fascinating study. So do you have anything teed up in the future or are you still, you know, just sort of reveling in what you've accomplished here or have you set a path now for your next study?
3: Um, Like I mentioned, um, I'm trying to look at all these, you know, other environmental exposures such as temperature and um, green spaces and other air pollution. And I really want to identify which, Which of their prudence can influence our health? So there's a lot of pathways I'm trying to explore. And if I find it really interesting, I'll let you know as well.
1: That'd be perfect. It's great having you on the show, Chris. It's a very, very interesting topic. And we keep circling back around to the importance of detoxification and diet. And this is just another application of it. So thanks so much. The study is fantastic. I'm sure everyone's had um, a lot of learning exposure here today. So thank you, Chris, for joining us. And everyone, we will talk to you next week on The Health Hub.